0: This is Recruiting Daily's Recruiting Live podcast. Live from of talent. Real talk about talent acquisition, recruiting, sourcing and hiring. Are you in talent acquisition? Then listen up because we're about to blow, blow your, your mind. mind. Here's your host, William Tincup.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, it's William Tincup and you're listening to the Recruiting Daily podcast. Today we have Robert on from talent, talent.com and our topic today, which is super timely, is unpacking pay transparency. So why don't we jump into introductions, Robert, would you do us a favor and introduce both yourself
0: and talent.com? Sure thing. Uh, well, my name is Rob Borsma, um, I'm the Vice President of Operations here for North America at talent.com. Uh, been in the industry for for a number of years and certainly an interesting topic to unpack today with salary transparency. Talent.com is a job search website. So we are are an aggregator, meaning that we compile all sorts of different job postings from all over the World Wide Web onto our website so that job seekers can have an easy experience looking for work. Uh, Salary transparency and salary information has longstanding been one of the, the main driving tools of our website. We have a, a tax and salary calculator that allows people to calculate their take-home pay and also understand historic posted salaries through our website. And that's actually one of the main ways that candidates find our website. So you know, we know firsthand that candidates are particularly interested in this information. And so we've been aggregating and compiling that information for quite some time now. And am very excited to see laws like this uh, coming into place to be able to provide more transparency and better job seeker experience to the folks that are out there.
1: So one of the things that, that uh, I've noticed in some, because you're an aggregator, some might call you a job board, but you're really aggregating jobs from all yeah. kinds of different things um, at all kinds of different places, which is wonderful. Um, but one of the things I've seen in that market is more kind of a, a strata of, if it doesn't have a salary, then there's a recommendation around a salary. If it has a salary band, you know, that's great. But then, you know, treated uh, different than the, than maybe a salary that's really specific, you know, this is 185,000 period. Yeah. Hard stop. What are you, what are you seeing when you, you know, with all of the folks that visit the website, what are you seeing in terms of what, what's their desire? Is it, The recommendation that's helpful, clearly, Uh, a band because you know there's or something specific. Like, what do what do you think that they they view more valuable?
0: Well, job seekers want a starting point, is what they Mm -hmm. want. Uh, You know, uh, we did a a webinar a number of weeks back with a fellow named Andrew Flowers from Recruitonomics, and. He had a great analogy that I love to use is can you imagine looking for a house on Zillow without the house prices online? <laughs> it would be nearly impossible. And, and of course, you wouldn't know where to bid, you wouldn't know if you were way over, way under, you wouldn't know if something was in your range. And that's the current state of looking for a job. Is it's you know, looking for a job is one of the main economic decisions that people will make in their lifetime. And if they don't have the salary information available for them, they're going to be taking a guess and kind of starting at at an uneven starting point uh, for different folks. So what we've seen from being an aggregator and compiling a lot of salary information over the years is people just want information and a range is totally fine. As long as it's, uh, you know, quote unquote, a good faith range and a reasonable range, obviously saying, the salaries between uh, ten and five hundred thousand dollars an hour is not <laughs> beneficial to anybody, um, but but I think people want a starting point, point. and so that's why we've been able to um, you know provide a suggested salary or maybe not suggested but uh, approximate salary based on similar jobs and, and titles in the region. So you know historically we see about twelve to fifteen percent of jobs across the U.S before these laws came into place had salary information. So some companies were using this as a tool to to help attract and create transparency for their employees and job seekers. But obviously 12 to 15%, that's not a huge number of jobs with the salary. But what it is, is enough for a company like us who who centralizes all of that information to be able to give a, a reasonably accurate estimate of what a salary range should be for similar jobs. So we look at similar titles, similar locations, and we store that data you know, forever and ever and ever. And then we refresh the database every time we get new salary information. And that helps us to give a starting point. And, and again, that's been one of the main organic traffic drivers to our website. And so there's huge demand there. And, and certainly uh, that's backed up through some of the survey work that we've done as well.
1: So the interesting are a thing for me in a range Especially a good faith range, um, is I always think that as a candidate, I always think the highest, like if it's, uh, you know, yeah, you know, two, 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 220 to 280, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm going <laughs> with 280. I mean, yeah, like <laughs> for sure, I see, I see it as helpful. Clearly, at least you have a place to start, so it's better than not having a place to start. But I also, I wonder how many people look at that range and just automatically go to the top of the higher end of the range.
0: Probably a lot. And, and that's a very fair reaction is to to value yourself at the top of, of a range. You know, that's uh a, a, a I'd great almost not want to, to hire have. the
1: person that didn't. Yeah, you know, totally. Totally.
0: <laughs> totally. Well, you know, employers need to be prepared for that. And that and that's why it's important for employers to uh, you know, not only have the, the transparency structure, so to put in place salary bans and and have that You know, as a ubiquitous tool across the organization, but to also educate their managers and to communicate that to their employees, because it's so important for companies and managers and leaders and HR within companies to be able to explain to somebody what are the factors that we use as a business to decide where somebody sits in the range, so that when you have that candidate come in and say, Oh, you know, I'm right at the top, I'm definitely right at the top of that range, you can say, Well, you know, I I know you can get there, you can definitely get there, but here are the factors that we use to decide that, and that might be years of experience, it might be certifications or education, Uh, it might be targets or goals, Uh, you know, it it, it might be other factors that you use to, to decide that, but you just need to have those transparent and put down on a piece of paper somewhere so you can communicate that clearly to say, you know what? you definitely are valued at the top of that range, or maybe you're valued kind of in the middle of that range, but here are the steps that you can take to get to that top. So the factors are are certainly something that uh, employers need to be ready to have conversations about.
1: So I know you are sitting on a massive amount of pay data uh, yourselves, you know, salary and comp data yourself, but are you also looking at outside sources like Bureau of Labor Statistics and you know, salary.com, pay scale, any of those types of, uh, of vendors and pulling in a- external data resources?
0: Yeah. So we, we do cross-reference the, the pay data that uh, we get with other sources to make sure, sure. that we're in the right neighborhood. Right. Um, those are not our, our primary sources. And, you know, to, to give you a point of reference right now in the U.S., there's about 10.7 million job openings on our website, we've got about 30 million job openings aggregated on our website in the U.S. So there are duplicates sometimes when you know a staffing firm, for example, might have the same job open as the direct employer. And that sort of right. thing. So it creates right. some duplicity. But that, that volume is enormous. And so we've got tens of millions of jobs flowing through our system on, a, on an ongoing basis. And our system rechecks those job postings every four hours. And so we're really kind of in the pulse of what's happening and so what that creates is, is a nice critical mass of data that allows us to be pretty confident in, in what we're saying when we have those salary ranges. And actually, you know, regulations and laws like this only help us to get more accurate because it's the real concrete data. And so this is going to be a huge win for job seekers and, and also be uh, you know, really helpful for us being able to display that information uh, in a more accurate and consistent way as well.
1: So when we make recommendations um in terms of let's say they don't it's it, they're in a state where they don't have to disclose uh salary uh, for whatever reason and and they don't they choose not to but we put a recommendation in there is that based on location base you know base pay and salary and stuff like that or is it based on the skills and experience the job job like I'm what I'm yeah might probably not phrasing it the right way but is it based on If they where they live, or is it based on and the job and their experience, or is it just the skills and experience and what makes up the job?
0: Yeah, great question. We we always try to be as detailed as possible, so to get to the closest cross section to where the job seeker is as possible. So, you know, location is a factor uh, in in different pay ranges, and so that's something that we take into account as we uh, you know look at salary information across our website is. You know, different jobs are in different salaries. Yes, for sure. So, you know, a, a developer might earn less than a senior developer, for example, for example, but a senior developer who's in the Bay Area might have a different salary expectation than a developer in Texas or, or in Ohio or somewhere where the cost of living is actually less. And so therefore the salaries or the, you know, the competition might be adjusted so that uh, a salary range that's reasonable in one location might not be reasonable in another, and that that's certainly something that we try to take into account. So, uh, at a minimum, you know it's important to look at that at countrywide, uh, but right. as much as you can zero in at the state level, uh, that's what we do, and I think that's certainly an important aspect to take into account.
1: Uh, Rob, I got into trouble uh, probably early pandemic with this because, um, <laughs> <laughs> and you, but you, you're sitting on all kinds of great data, so you can actually uh, really correct me on this, but. Uh, the article I wrote was about look, getting rid of location-based pay. And the, yep. and the, the thesis uh, that I had was this is where inequities exist, is this is where they hide in the shadows of you know, Tammy, you know, lives in Topeka, Johnny lives in San Francisco, they do the exact same yep. job. The skills are the same, the experience the same, education the same, everything's the same. Johnny gets paid twice as much because Johnny lives in San Francisco. Well, yep. why? Why are we paying for Johnny to live in San Francisco when, <laughs> when we should be paying? I mean, in my opinion, again, I got in trouble for this. When we <laughs> should be paying, because it it just seems to me like this has been this has been a way that we've cleverly hidden inequities in pay historically. So. Yeah, first of all, tear all that apart. It's okay. We're friends.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Look, I I mean, I think COVID kind of ripped the the cover off of that, uh, you know, that strategy a little bit. It kind of pulled the sheet back because all of a sudden, all of these companies open their eyes to the reality they can hire people remotely and i'm sure you've right. done you right. know podcasts to the nth degree about remote work and what that means and yada 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 but the reality is for for uh, you know skill based type of work which is a lot of the work that's eligible remotely um you know ladders says that there's going to be up to 25% of all open jobs in the US open remotely by the end of this year. That's a lot that out of 10 million open jobs and, you know, the the distribution between, uh, you know, skill based work and kind of frontline work. That's a lot of jobs that are going to be open remotely. So it kind of pulls back the cover on that. And companies are now seeing that, okay, maybe I, you know, first of all, do I need to be hiring staff in this direct location? You know, I can tell you from our own experience, we've grown our company from you know ten people to uh, you know close to five hundred people now in uh, in in a number of years. And we hire people all over the world, and we hire people of you know similar skill sets, of different skill sets. We hire for people on the same teams in in Europe and in South America and in the U.S. and in Canada. And you know that's something that that brings a lot of a lot of value to an organization now. In the example that you brought where somebody's doing the exact same job for the same organization and has different pay you did use an interesting example which you mentioned uh the the, you know the the lady who is working quote unquote remotely was named tammy meaning that's a a female name and one of the the key pieces of information or, or you know key problems that this legislation is trying to address is there's a gender wage gap a strong gender wage gap in the U S right now. Right. And so you'd mentioned that while well, there's a guy who lives in San Francisco and there's a, a female who uh, lives remotely and gets paid less to do the same job that happens in the same city, in the same office. That's even. Right. That's um, right. And so, you know, women on average in the U S right now earn 83 cents to the dollar of a man. And when there are, uh, you know, further levels of potential discrimination there, whether that's somebody who's you know racialized indigenous black women, that you know wage gap only gets worse. And you know, coming back to the comment that we made earlier that somebody's job is the biggest economic decision they're gonna make in their life. Well, probably the second decision is where am I going to live? Right. Am I gonna live in San Francisco? And what is my cost of living going to be? And so, you know, I think that, that these laws both help to address the problem that, that you mentioned, which is somebody does the same job in, in a different location, and gets paid differently, right? And it's going to help address the, the second problem, which is well, that problem exists, even in the same office of both people working in San Francisco, uh, because of think... the la- because of the lack of transparency, exactly because that's, of the lack of transparency. Yeah, that's
1: that's fantastic. That's fantastic. So, um, one of the things I wanted to ask, and I probably should have done it sooner, was was the search phrases that you're seeing because you mentioned remote work, and I I remember reading an article around rem- remote and remote work are the two top search phrases. And I know I just wanted to ask you while I had you on the, on the call, do you, a, do you see it any differently? There are more people searching for a remote?
0: Yeah, I, I, a remote has certainly skyrocketed. That's been a, a huge keyword that's, that's definitely increased dramatically over the last number of years. Um, you know, keep in mind that that there's a large chunk of the workforce that probably will never have the the luxury of uh-huh. working truly uh-huh. remotely. And so actually the, the keywords that we see, you know, most often are jobs near me. So people want to work near them. Oh, interesting. And and work now uh, or or work right. starting soon. And so, you know, that that's a huge chunk. And it kind of puts an interesting divide in the labor force of people that have the potential to work remotely. And certainly, um, you know, skill based workers are demanding that of their employers. And that's something that that people have had to employers have had to adapt to tremendously over the last couple of years. But for those folks who are, who are working, you know, in person in a warehouse job or doing a driving job or you know, maintenance, even healthcare work, uh, a lot of the time, um, you know, people want to work in a convenient way to them. And they want to work now, <laughs> they, they want to work uh, right away. And so it kind of puts an interesting dichotomy in the, in the two types of work is, yes, there's proliferation of, of remote work, uh, but how do we adjust to have flexibility for employees who are, you know, have to be somewhere physically in person, but are still looking at all the changes in the world today and saying, well, you know, I might not be able to work remotely, but I I want flexibility as well. And that can come in the way of which shifts I take or when I can take holidays. Uh, And, you know, I think that's one of the drivers of, you know, the continued drivers of the gig economy and why more people are shifting that type of work. Uh, is it does provide that that flexibility regardless if you're, uh, you know, kind of a, a, a physical-based mo- uh, worker or a skill-based worker.
1: Right. Let me ask you a little bit because I like the way you – you because I usually do it uh, knowledge workers versus hourly workers, which is probably not a great way of thinking of it, but I like the way that you've kind of phrased it. What's, what's the expectation for candidates that are not skills-based, that are more hourly, et cetera, Um, do they have the same expectation in terms of looking for a job and expecting to see pay? Even in states where, again, where it's not required, uh, do they have that expectation, that shopping experience expectation?
0: Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. And and they've actually had uh, more transparency, at least in the data that we see, for longer than knowledge-based workers. And the, the reason I say that is, You know, those frontline jobs like transportation, drivers, maintenance, warehouse jobs, package handlers, those were the jobs that saw, you know, skyrocketing demand during COVID, and that demand has has been maintained. People kept those, those buying habits, and now those are some of the hardest to fill jobs in the U.S. Combine that with the fact that there's about two job openings open for every unemployed person. Well, where are you going to find those workers? There's there's literally not enough workers to fill all of those jobs. And so you have to pull companies, you know, big companies, Amazon, UPS, FedEx, big, big companies who hire hundreds of thousands of people for these types of jobs. They need to pull their staff from other places, people who are already working. And so when, you know, coming back to the salary data information and kind of the percent coverage that we had mentioned earlier in the call, which is, okay, you know, we had about 12%. Uh, coverage 12 to 15 percent coverage on average in the US, those industries are actually about double that, even without the legislation. So, when we look at transportation, materials handling, uh, you know, maintenance, warehouse jobs, those vary between 22 and 25 percent. And so, we see an almost doubling of employers already using that tool of providing salary information, especially because it's such a powerful tool. And, you know, it, earlier this summer, here at we did a study with Leger Marketing surveying job seekers in the New York area. And the, the results are overwhelming that job seekers want this transparency. So they're going to, uh, you know, from the survey, it was like 98% of people want to see salary information before applying. And 77% actually rated it as the top piece of information that, you know, is going to skew their decision, even above benefits or location or shift or anything like that. So the people want it, the job seekers are there, that's, that's what they're requiring. And, you know, as you call them, kind of the, the hourly based workers, uh, they've been, you know, having that transparency in an elevated way, even before some of this legislation comes in. So it's certainly it, you know, that tells me that's been a valuable and useful recruitment tool for employers to go ahead and, and attract talent from people who are already employed. So what do you
1: what do you see from some of your customers as it relates to the hybrid workplace and flexibility as as it relates kind of with pay transparency, especially pay itself are are folks would you would you say that folks are willing to pay for trans, uh, for 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 flex, for flexibility.
0: Just to make sure I understand clearly here. You're kind of saying, "Look, are, are people willing to make a compromise on right. salary? Yeah, yeah. Great, for other benefits? Yeah, yes. totally." Um, you know, it, it, it's interesting because um, there has always, there have always been employers that have underpaid based on the market and tried to make up ground in some other way, right? right. So, you know, lots of lots of startups do that. I mean, I would be. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sheepish to say we didn't do that when we were starting things out, and uh, you know that's that's just part of starting a business. Sometimes is you don't have the resources that maybe a larger company does, and that's okay. Uh, now, here's the thing: is that in in the past, during a job interview or the recruitment process. The salary component is like the very last stop on the train. So, you you know, you've probably interviewed three times or four times, and you talk to the hiring manager and you get to know them, and they tell you how great the company is, and oh, we have additional benefits. And, you know, we heard the whole, the old uh, shtick and kebab of we've got a happy hour every week, and we've, you know, we've got (laughs) the ping pong tables, and we've got uh, the snacks, and we've got all these things. And then at the very end, once you're kind of saying, wow, this sounds like a pretty good opportunity, they offer, quote, unquote, unlimited vacation, they offer all these things. Oh, but what about the pay? And then you finally get to that, you know, that final conversation, you can go, Oh, well, that's not quite, you know, (laughs) what I was looking for. But it happens at the very end of that conversation. And that's, that's not really transparency. But that company has now been able to build a relationship with that person, and then sell them on the benefits of working uh, for their company in advance of them actually having that salary conversation. Now, Uh, It does put companies who have been underpaying the market uh, and using some of those additional compensation strategies at a slight disadvantage because the face value of their salary range might be lower. And companies who are going to be advertising a salary that's lower than the market range can expect to see less applications. That's the natural path is that if you've been that person, you know, again, I like analogies. And so coming back to, let's say you're selling your car online, well, if you don't put a price on it, and it's a really nice car, you'll probably get a lot of offers. But if you decline everybody because you say, no, too low, too low, too low, too low, too low, too low, it's uh, it's a lot of administrative work. It's not really worthwhile. Whereas if you way overprice the car, it, you're not going to get very many options. So the same, uh, very many options for buyers. And the same goes for, for recruiters who are posting jobs online. So if you're overpaying the market, you, know, you can expect to see strong application flow and good quality. Uh, if you're underpaying the market, you can probably expect a decrease in application flow. Uh, we also know statistically that jobs that uh, show salary information get more applications have a higher application rate than those who don't. Uh, and therefore you can kind of expect that that flow to decrease. Now the one caveat, the one plus to that, is that if you are one of those companies who says, well, look, I can't afford to pay what the big players do, uh, well, you know what, time to look at your job description, look at your benefits and and to make yourself, uh, you know, appeal to a wider audience using the tools that you do have at your discretion. And then, you know, the people that are applying. So if you have applications that are coming in, those are going to be pretty good quality applications because you've been up front. They know what they're in for. They kind of know the pay range isn't, you know, maybe quite, uh, quite as high as other people are offering, but there are many job seekers who do value those things like flexibility, or remote work or extra vacation time. Sometimes in the startup world, if there's equity or share plans or options or ESOPs, those are things that can bring people away from those higher paying roles uh, or attract them to companies that might not be able to pay the market uh, wage as aggressively.
1: That was perfect. Last question, I just want to see what your take on uh, with millennials, elder millennials, Gen Z and their expectations uh, I'm Gen X, squarely Gen X. Um, but you know, I would have probably been in that, that situation that you talked to, uh, talked about where you went through the entire process, got to the end of the pro maybe three or four week process got to the end and went, huh? You know, what's the what, Yeah. you know, okay. So, but my gut tells me that Gen Z doesn't do that or won't allow that. I guess it's probably a better way of thinking it, but yeah. you're the one sitting on all the data. So, what are you seeing from the from the you know different
0: generations? For sure. So you know, in the in the study that we did with uh, with Léger Marketing, uh, kind of on the heels of this new law, we did look at the the age divide and uh, you know the the nuance with importance of salary in between different age brackets. And what we did see is across all age groups, it was ranked as the the top component. However. Uh, you know, 84% of folks who were in the age bracket of 55 and above ranked salary as their top, uh, but ranked benefits as their number two. Now, in the 18 to 34, so kind of that younger generation bracket, uh, they ranked salary 71% of the time as a top. So pretty significant difference there as their top and actually rated flexibility as their second top. And so you can kind of see that changing dynamic is that you know, generations that are probably closer to the end of their career looking for stability. You know, I sound like an investment advisor right now is, uh, you know, <laughs> go for something with consistent dividends. Uh, it's it's the same thing as people who are looking to take on less risk are even potentially willing to take a lower salary if a job is more stability and has benefits that are going to you know take care of their family and their health care and all those things. Whereas the younger generation, just like an investment portfolio, take more risk, diversify, go ahead, invest in those stocks and, you know, off you go. Hopefully you'll get better returns. Obviously value salary highly, but are actually looking to, to take on uh, flexibility as their second most valued potential benefit that an employer can bring to them. Ah, Rob, this has been
1: absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much for your time and wisdom.
0: No problem. It was great to get this talk with you. appreciate uh, Appreciate you having me on.
1: Absolutely. And thanks for everyone listening to the Recruiting Daily podcast. Until next time. You've been listening to the Recruiting Live podcast by Recruiting Daily.
0: Check out the latest industry podcasts, webinars, articles, and news at recruitingdaily.com.